This is Grace Talks, a production of Simpson United Methodist Church in Bangor, Michigan. Our scripture reading today is John 16, 12 to 15. I have much more to say to you, more than you can hear now, or more than you can bear now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, God, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So last, last Sunday, the church recognized Pentecost. And I wasn't able to be here for that. On one hand, I would have been at annual conference, but I wasn't able to be there for that because I was busy racing the gas prices home. We made it in just before it hit $5, so it was very close. Being 40 days after Easter, Pentecost has long been regarded as a sort of birth of the church moment. It is remembered as the moment when the Holy Spirit fully inbroke into the world and entered into the body of believers and entered into the world at large. As Peter and the other disciples put it, it was the acknowledgement of the last days when the Spirit would be poured out on all people, when children will prophesy, young men and young people will see visions, and the old will dream dreams. Now being as I wasn't here last week, I wanted to take a moment today to offer my Pentecost sermon, and since it applies to the text today, I think it works. In the passage today, we have Jesus promising to the disciples that the helper, the advocate, would come, a spirit who would guide them in truth. After Jesus ascends into heaven, the disciples are left in the upper room and they're waiting. They don't know quite what they're waiting for. All they know is that Jesus told them that this helper, this spirit, would be coming to them. Other than that, they don't have much information to go on. He didn't leave them much. And so the disciples waited. And I want us to think about that first and foremost. The disciples waited. The disciples weren't in a position where they received an immediate answer to their concerns, an immediate answer to their worries. They didn't get an instant gratification for their concerns. Instead, they got a good, long three days to sit and think about the mysterious promise that Jesus gave them before he left. 
Jesus had offered them a mystery and then left them alone, left them alone with each other, left them with their own thoughts and insecurities. Now, insecurities, that's something I know all too much about. We all have something, or in many cases, some things that we're insecure about. Rather than ask for yours, though, I thought I'd offer a few of mine. Sometimes I'm insecure, or sometimes I worry over whether or not I'm smart enough. I worry whether I say the right things. I worry whether I'm pretentious or an elitist. I worry I'm not a good enough leader. I'm not telling you this so much for my sake, so much as I'm telling you because I want you to think about what makes you insecure, what makes you worry. What are your fears about yourself that you try to hide away? What do we worry about in the life of the church? Over the last few years, and really over many years, there's been a lot of talk about the failure of the church in the United States of America, and especially since the pandemic, it seems like that's only increased. And the question we always have to kind of keep at the back of our minds is, are we part of a faith that's on its way out? Is there going to be a time when our church, both locally, both denominationally, will no longer be viable? A time when we can no longer do what we once did? How many missions and ministries have we seen fall by the wayside over the years, even before the pandemic came along and knocked all the chess pieces from the board? And so maybe our insecurities aren't Maybe the, our insecurities are in our personal lives, and maybe they're in our spiritual lives, and we have questions like, do I pray enough? Do I give enough? Do I do enough? Am I enough? In the United Methodist Church these days, there seems to be an increased anxiety. We've been dealing with the question of human sexuality and marriage for so long, and they've created or maybe they've revealed these rifts in the church. And increasingly the worry seems to be, will there even be a United Methodist Church in a few years? Or maybe even worse, will there even be a church in a few years? I've mentioned this before, but there was a study that came out this past year that said that for the first time in America, fewer people are members of a church than are non-members. A few years ago, a study came out that said if the United Methodist Church continues on the trend that it's on now in a mere 24 years, or rather in 19 years since this article was written five years ago, the United Methodist Church, or what is more likely to be the Methodist denominations, will become unsustainable. Who knows how much the last five years have shaken that number up? Who knows if it's cut down on that time or not? Now, 19 years. We can look at this figure as, as something of a deadline, as something to be afraid of, as something to worry about, as something to convince us that maybe it's time to give up hope. We could worry and we could lose sleep over it, and maybe, maybe we should. 
After all, 19 years isn't that long. Sure, for me, it's a kind of a long time as it makes up about two-thirds of my life. But maybe we're right. Or, I tricked you, or we could look at this not so much as a deadline, as something to be afraid of, something to be nervous about, but instead we could look at this as a challenge. Maybe we could look at this as good news. Instead of looking at this like a person with cancer receiving a diagnosis and receiving these frightening words that you only have 19 years left to live, what if instead we saw this and, said, and saw it and saw that it was saying that you have 19 years to do the work and see what God does? In several of Jesus' parables, he tells a story of servants who are given money or some other income and they're told that the master will be away for a time. Some hide their money away, and some invest it, and some do other things with it. The people who hide it away, the money disappear, the money stays the same, and nothing happens, but the people who invest that money, the people who invest that time, the people who, in our case, invested that 19 years, find themselves blessed tenfold. And so if we, reframe, if we reframe it this way, then maybe we can look at this 19-year idea as something that isn't so much scary, but, so, but more so encouraging. What can we accomplish in 19 years? What could we accomplish with 19 years to prepare, 19 years to share God's love and good news, 19 years to be the body of Christ in Bangor, Michigan? I believe looking at this congregation that even if the United Methodist Church were to fold, that this church would continue. We could and we would continue to be a blessing and we could and we would continue to be blessed by our community. For that, I'll get a little Southern Baptist and say, can I get an amen on that one? <laughs> like the disciples were in this waiting period. We're in this time where we're waiting for God to show up in a new and exciting way. And for some of us, we've seen our church go from around 200 participants to 100 and finally to where we are today. Some of us have seen our families and our children and our friends leave, and we feel this sense of grief that almost seems unbearable at times when we look at empty pews. But what we find when we look at Pentecost is that these waiting periods do not last forever. There's a time for waiting and there is a time for the Spirit to show up. And the glory of living in the kingdom is that the Spirit is already here. At Pentecost, we celebrate the dawn of the church, the day when the fullness of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit arrived to shower herself on all humanity. But sometimes what we're tempted to do when we look at Acts especially is compare ourselves to those early days because in those early days it looks like they had it all right. 
it sure looks a lot like they had their business all together. And so often the temptation that we find is that we come to this conclusion that if we just get back to the way it was in those early days, if we just act like the early church, then we can fix all our problems. And maybe it, is even, it isn't even the church in Acts. Maybe it's the church we knew in our younger days. Maybe it's thinking back to those days when the parking lot was full, when the pews were empty, when we had choir every single week, when everyone in the community seemed excited to go to church, or at least willing to go to church on a Sunday. As I've said, maybe there are those of us who can remember when we were part of the choir or part of the youth group, and maybe we think that if we can just figure out how to get back to there, then we can bring the church back to where it was. Do you know what one of the most common things I and other pastors hear? I wish it could be like the good old days. I wish we could have youth group like we did. I wish we could have Sunday school like we did. I wish we could have vacation Bible school like we did, choir like we did, music like we did. And sometimes it seems like churches are so focused on what we did that we forget to look at what we can do. On the day of Pentecost, we see the disciples gathered together and they're in the upper room and they're praying and they're fasting and most importantly, they're waiting. And suddenly there's this rush of wind and fire and flames alight on them. And all of a sudden, these men and these women, these normal, average men and women are speaking languages they've never heard, and they're putting together words that are unfamiliar, their tongues making sounds they didn't exist, they didn't know existed. But what's more, those words could be understood by their neighbors because they were speaking the language of others. Through the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the disciples are filled with the power of God. And when one is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, there's nothing quiet about it. And if we were to keep reading in that passage, we would find that after Peter's speech to the crowd, 3,000 people were added to the number of disciples. In one day, with the Spirit's direction, the church grows by 3,000. From a congregation of maybe a dozen or so, that's quite the growth. Think about that. Think about what that sounds like for us. The disciples were looking around and likely thinking that their best days were behind them. Jesus was gone. The hopes for the kingdom seemed to be kaput, and they were probably anxious about the future. Like us, they were worried about where things were headed. They were probably hoping that they had 19 years. Like us, they were probably more excited at the idea of sticking to what they've always done that the prospect of doing something new seemed frightening. But then the Holy Spirit shows up and everything changes. The Spirit shows up and the future seems much brighter. Suddenly the Spirit shows up and it wasn't the quiet Spirit that maybe we've come to expect, the Spirit in the shape of a meek and mild dove. No, this was a Spirit of fire and noise. A Spirit who looked more like what the Irish call, and I'm going to butcher this, Angafean. 
the wild goose. When St. Patrick worked through Ireland and worked, li worked and lived among the Celtic people, learning their ways and working with them, he found that the image of the dove just wasn't working for them. And so Peter, or so Patrick found another image that worked a whole lot better, and that was the image of the wild goose. Unlike the dove that was quiet and meek and flew off at its first opportunity, the goose which roamed the countryside was loud and boisterous and rambunctious and more than a little messy. Just like Patrick insisted the spirit is. The Spirit isn't content to just sit and watch us. The Spirit isn't just going to abandon us to our own devices. The Spirit is loud. The Spirit pushes us to new things. And like anyone being chased by a goose, I bet we can all run a lot faster than we think we can. Now another thing to think about regarding that study that I mentioned is that while it says that less than half of Americans are members of churches at this point, it points on one hand to a falling cultural trust or interest in the institutional church, but also it points to a demographic shift in the American landscape. It, sh it points to a shift in the demographics of the American people because where we are now is we are living in a multicultural world, even more so than before. We are living in a world with many people who don't share our faith, who don't share entirely the same values, and I don't say that like it's a bad thing, it's just a different thing. The world continues to change, and in order for the church to keep up, we need to be ready for change. We need to be ready for transformation. We need to be ready for what we once would have called revival. Only here it means revival of a different sort. My point in all of this is that the future of the church is not found in the past. The future of the church is not found merely in an upper room in Jerusalem. It's not found in an ancient garden somewhere in the Near East. It's not even found in the 50s. It's not found in the 90s. The future is found in the presence of God living among us. The future is found in the Spirit, the one who moves us to greater and greater things things we don't expect, things that we haven't seen and things that we haven't done. When the disciples come together in Acts 2, they come together and they share all they possess. They live together in the common and they work to spread the love to everyone they meet. And with that in mind, I leave us with this thought. If Christ could completely transform the world in three years, if Christ could teach us how to be more human, if Christ could teach us how to be more free in a mere three years, if Christ could remake the world, break the powers of sin, tear down the gates of hell, sunder the powers of this world, and usher in the kingdom of God in three years, then what could we do with 19? 
Holy Spirit, wild goose, great spirit, wild goose of the Almighty, be my eye in dark places, my flight in trapped places, my host in wild places, my brood in barren places, my formation in the lost places.